Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. What do you love about music? To begin with? Everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cutt. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, we've got a live performance and an interview with Robin Hitchcock. And get this, he's backed up by Peter Buck and Scott McCoy of R.E.M. Plus, we'll hear your selections for the best albums of 2006 with a few reactions to our lists mixed in. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and it's time to welcome our latest affiliate, KTOO in Juneau, Alaska. Good morning, Capitol Records. Hello, Capitol Records. Uh, We're looking for Rob Cohen. This is he. Rob, you are the owner and proprietor of Capitol Records. Is that not correct? This is true. How did you end up in Juneau, Alaska, beautiful Juneau, Alaska, which is now broadcasting Sound Opinions, we're proud to say? We are. We're happy in Juneau to have Sound Opinions on KTO Radio. I ended up like most other folks who grew up in New Jersey or Chicago or Boston ended up here, just uh, came up to visit to watch a friend uh, get married and then ended up never leaving. Fell in love with the place, huh? You bet, about 20 years ago. But, but you know, usually, Rob, when we, when we welcome a new affiliate, we uh, play something from, from their area and kind of welcome them on board. We are at a, at a disadvantage. There are not a lot of great Alaskan rock bands that we've been able to pay tribute at to. At least that we've heard of. Uh, we have we heard, may be completely wrong about that's that. That's why we figured we'd call you and find out a couple of things. You know, what's going on locally in the scene there, and also just what Alaska music lovers are buying. I can help you with that. Uh, okay. We've, you know, there might not be a whole lot of Alaskan artists that have uh, national fame, but we've got lots and lots of regional artists who've uh, been making discs uh, both here in Juneau and uh, also from, you know, outlying areas in southeast Alaska and up in uh, Anchorage, uh, Fairbanks, etc. Most of the stuff we carry in terms of regional artists tends to be in the sort of country folk bluegrass category. That's what uh, the iconoclasts up here tend to, tend to lean toward, and there's some really, you know, wonderful instrumentalists up here, great singer-songwriters. Some of them have their stuff on CD Baby, and a lot of them are just on the DIY uh, train, Hmm. producing it themselves and contacting local record stores one by one and just getting them there on the shelves. What would you say the biggest seller in 2006 locally Alaska music was for Capitol Records? Probably uh, my main man, Mr. Buddy Tabor. House painter by day, uh, troubadour by night, uh, gravelly voice teller of tales uh, he's actually got about five or six albums out and uh, a google search will bring him up with some sound clips he's well worth checking out all right we're gonna hear some of that that's cool the mr basketball shoes owns a factory in china and vietnam where a 12 year old girl works for nothing he don't give a damn 16 hours a day seven days a week when they break her malnourished body, they just throw her out in the street. 
And if the workers try to unionize or tell them they protest, basketball shoes cause the military and they come out and make arrests. Do you know, is, is population 30,000? About 30,000. It ain't like Chicago. Are, are you the only mom and pop record store in town? We are the only mom and pop, yes. Okay. So what were your big sellers in 2006? We've sold a lot of Gnarls Barkley this year, a lot of raconteurs, <laughs> you know, the New Dillons, the Springsteen. You take a look at the top 40 uh, lists, and, you know, we have our share of customers who rely on us for that stuff as well as the deep, dark nether regions of, yes. uh, of recorded music out there. What are you putting on first thing in the morning uh, these days when you get into the well, store? Well, these days I'm putting on the new Loud Family Anton Barbeau CD uh, uh. Just a nice piece of um, Southern California power pop. That one's called What If It Works. Uh, otherwise, um, uh, Magma happens to be a favorite around here of late. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't the, ask why otherwise. The French uh, progressive rock band from the 70s? Yeah, my, uh, I've, I've turned my guys on to Magma and Gentle Giant recently. <laughs> They're yes! totally in love with uh, Gentle Giants playing the fool. Otherwise, I played I played Gentle Giant just a couple weeks ago on this show, and they're still getting <laughs> crap from my peers here. Now, now, this is why we're big in Alaska, guys. We're out in Alaska because they Giant. heard me play Gentle Giant. They understand Jim DeRigatis in June. Yes. Thank God somebody does. What's the lowest temperature it gets in the winter? It's not really so bad. If it hits five degrees, then that's uh, then that's particularly cold. I'd say. Not, I'm just saying something. You know, if my choice is to like stay home in my PJs and download a piece of music, or you know, it's worth it for me to go to Capitol Records because Rob's going to take care of me. I mean, that's saying something when you get somebody to come out in five degree weather. I would say, and we do. You know, they're bundled up from head to toe like the Michelin Man for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are yeah. we are most proud of our customers who. Uh, trudge in, in in the worst of weather and, and say, give me that Timberlake I want that Fergie CD <laughs> give it to me now and we're most proud to be uh, on in Juneau, Alaska at KTOO and uh, glad to talk to you Rob thanks for taking time out to uh, speak to Sound Opinions appreciate the call thanks we're coming by when we're in town I expect you to alright <laughs> take care take care hey, Rob well I'm on the way to time cold I wanna be keeping you warm I got the right temperature for shelter you from the storm oh that's a little bit of Sean Paul's Temperature, which was the fourth best-selling digital track of 2006. Greg, we have not covered Sean Paul. We have to at some point. Uh, the reason we're playing that track is we want to take a look at the temperature of the music industry. The year-end numbers are in for 2006 from Nielsen SoundScan, which is the most credible uh, organization measuring sales of albums online and in the record stores. Now, Jim, if you believe the music industry, they've been in this terrible, terrible slump for the last six, seven years, primarily blaming digital downloading. The sky is falling. Yes. The Internet is killing the music industry. Well, these numbers, uh, SoundScan numbers, prove them wrong. For the second year in a row, overall music purchases were over $1 billion. More people in history buying more music than ever for the second year in a row. We're going to talk to a couple of music industry experts who look behind these numbers and tell us what the real story is. Let's talk to Chris Mirator, the Vice President of Retail Relations and Research Services at uh, Nielsen SoundScan. Chris, welcome to the show. 
Hi, thank you. You're one of our heroes, Chris, because one of the only objective ways to measure pop music is with the numbers, and you guys do a great job of keeping track of what people are actually buying. We have been, since 1991, as you know, been tracking uh, music sales from over 90% of all retail outlets uh, across the United States. We're looking at the key number here, the overall music sales. In 2005, it was $1 billion, 3 million. In 2006, they're 1 billion, 198 million. That's up 19.4%. That would seem to be pretty good news for any industry. The big portion of that increase is due to the increase in uh, individual purchases of digital track sales through your digital services like iTunes, Napster, Rhapsody, um, eMusic, all of those services. SoundScan started out by every point of sale purchase of a piece of of music uh, was being measured at the cash register. Correct. Okay, and so now the same sort of coding in a digital music file enables you to measure what's being bought online. Exactly. It's the same sort of, instead of a UPC, we're now using an ISRC. Uh, for an individual track that's being downloaded. What's interesting here on this on these charts, uh, compiling the uh, music purchases for 2006, uh, total album sales are down, uh, again, for the seventh year in a row, I believe, nearly 5%, and yet overall music sales are way up, 19.4%. Mm-hmm. What percentage of the overall market do digital sales now represent, and how has that increased over the years? You're looking at digital represent digital purchases represent about 12% of all more like 13% of all um, album purchases. Mm. So that's that's going up. I mean that's a significant increase over previous years over. Yes, imagine. last year it was only about 6%. Wow. So is so, that is that the key difference here? Is that why the overall sales are up 19% yes. even though album sales are down, the total mm-hmm. sales are up? What is it? Is it primarily that digital market that it's is accounting for that, that difference? It's mainly that digital marketplace that, that is driving that increase of overall music purchases. Mm. Digital track sales were up 65% over 2005. You were at 582 wow. million <laughs> versus 353 million in 2005. So, so, so the music industry has nothing to cry about. It sounds like to me, Chris. I believe that the industry still is very is very healthy. Um, I think we're seeing a little change in configuration. You know, we went from cassette to CD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you saw a change in in how sales were happening, where consumers and how consumers were buying music. I think now we're starting to see a little that sort of change from CD to now digital. The overall market is now 12% digital sales. Do you anticipate a point where we're going to get to where it's 50%, 75% of the market, and how soon do you think the industry will get there where the majority of its sales are coming from digital sales? I think we're still uh, a a little ways away. I mean, you've got to look at physical CD purchases this year. There were still 588 million individual CDs purchased this year. Wow. So compared to 32 million digital album sales. And what's interesting on the report that we have for digital music, you can see that the growth in digital album sales is even stronger among catalog product. Hmm. Well, that's so interesting. the more we look at this, I'm wondering is if people now who are buying digital albums, are they now replacing their CD collections with digital, with the older digital albums that they had on their CDs or their cassettes. You know, just how CDs were, were thriving through the years going, you know, through the 90s, people were replacing their cassettes with CDs. Right. 
catalog albums, and just looking at digital album sales last year, catalog albums were up 109%. Mm, Current albums were up 90%. Chris Mirator is the Vice President of Retail Relations and Research Services at Nielsen Music, or as we like to think, the music industry numbers guy. <laughs> numbers guy, right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks, Thank Chris. you. We're now going to go to Jeff Mayfield, the uh, Director of Charts and the Senior Analyst at Billboard Magazine. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're trying to make sense of how in uh, in 2006, overall music sales were up 19.4%, but the album sales are down almost 5%. You have a new distribution channel that, that, grow, uh, that grows robustly from year to year, and that's digital distribution. And a bulk of what's being sold there are individual tracks. So that's not going to, to reflect in your album volume. A large part of what's happening in digital distribution, uh, people aren't downloading whole albums as often as they are downloading entire songs. So that increase yeah. in transactions. So they're selling smaller bites of music. I mean, the the units sold are, are, are up. But dollar-wise, what is this meaning for the industry, Jeff? Have you got a handle on that? <laughs> if I had a handle on that, <laughs> Billboard probably couldn't afford me. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's the puzzle that all the record companies are going to have to figure out, is that for decades they have uh, made their bread and butter uh, from album purchases, and and you know that's making dollars from dollars. And now, with with more and more uh, variety available a la carte through digital distribution, uh, they were likely going to have to figure out how to make dollars from pennies. You're talking about companies that were built; their brick and mortar was built on selling albums, and that's been true for decades. Selling albums and, and, and then not, not, not paying Robert Johnson. <laughs> and we've had declines on album sales in five of the past six years. Mm-hmm. Now, the decline in album sales this year was only 5%, and I, I actually think that's pretty healthy compared to some of the uh, declines that we've seen since 2000. All right, so there's no way in hell we have to hold a telethon to raise money for Jimmy Iovine and Tommy Mottola. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy, no. Um, you know, maybe mid-level management. Look, there's there's significant change. You know, there's yeah. there's been thousands and thousands of jobs that have been lost in this industry, and um, uh, so uh, yeah, the people at the very top, they're probably okay. But you know, yeah, they're they're still they're still coming to grips. And uh, so far, the first changes that you see are more structural. There's fewer. Uh, major record companies now than there were a few years ago. Uh, but that's just part of what you do. You know, there's other ways that, that the economics of a record company need to be reexamined. Cool. Jeff, uh, thanks a lot for the uh, insight. We appreciate it. Jeff Mayfield, the uh, Director of Charts and Senior Analyst at Billboard Magazine. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you, guys. Oh, that's a little bit of R.E.M.'s Sitting Still from their first album, Murmur. 25 years ago came out, Greg, which means they were eligible and, in fact, will be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in a couple of months. Let me first tell you who's getting in this year. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, one of the first hip-hop groups to go into the hall. R.E.M., the Renettes, Patti Smith, and Van Halen. 
choices that would seem somewhat obvious. I think the real question marks surrounding this ballot are not so much who got in, but who's going to show up on stage when these guys do their <laughs> infamous jam session at the end of the ceremony. So a lot because of people it, are asking about R.E.M. Will yeah. Bill Berry actually show up and play drums with R.E.M., which he hasn't done in you know a number of years, you know, except for the occasional one-off performance? I mean, given that it's aired on VH1 after the inductions at the Waldorf Astoria, which yeah. I must repeat, as I do every year, is the least rock and roll place in the world, <laughs> and you pay a couple of hundred dollars and you dress up in a monkey suit tuxedo and you yeah. go, I mean, you know, how un-rock and roll is that? But, but it's become, who's going to get back together when we give you this prize? Well, and, and the Van Halen reunion is the big chat here. You know, you have a, uh, a band with at least three lead singers in its history, three right? Three distinct eras. And, and certainly two who the fans consistently battle over who's the better one, Sammy Hagar or David Lee Roth. Well, it's not Van Halen without Gary Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Is Gary Sharon going to get invited to the, uh, the well, whole and thing? And now Michael Anthony, the bass player, is out. And isn't Alex's kid, or, or is it Eddie? Eddie's kid is playing bass. or you know, Who cares? Yeah, who's going to show up on that stage? And I, and I have an issue with Van Halen getting inducted as a band. I think Eddie Van Halen is certainly one of the most important guitarists in rock history. But as a band, I would say their music has been pretty negligible. Not nearly as influential as one of the bands that got left off the final list, which I voted for, Chic. A lot of people think, well, disco era band, you know, and, and disco in, in itself has a hard time getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I think is a, a travesty. But I think Chic being one of the most important bands of that era and incredibly influential, much more influential than Van Halen and many of the other bands on the list of people who got in. Between Nile Rodgers and Bernard Edwards uh, writing some of the most uh, important songs of that era, and for the bass line alone on Good Times. I mean, how many times has that been sampled? We talked about this no, with James true. Brown. It's true. And you'll hear that bass line again and again. The Sugar Hill Gang's uh, Rapper's Delight, the first major hit rap song. Another one bites the dust. Major hit song from Queen. <laughs> okay, a few years later, here's a rock group appropriating a disco song bass line. And then you've got In Deep with uh, Last Night a DJ Saved My Life. I mean, one of the yeah. great dance songs of the uh, early mid-'80s all taking this classic bass line from Bernard Edwards. Eligible for several years, not being inducted, the Stooges. Yeah. And that's inexplicable to me because the Stooges are actually, they were in Chicago a couple of weeks ago making a reunion album, Iggy Pop and the band that are considered one of the founders of punk rock, Kraftwerk has been eligible for years now. They have not been inducted. The German group that pretty much laid the foundation. Actually, if you put Kraftwerk and Chic together, yeah. you have all of the electronic dance music Absolutely. of the last 25 years. Absolutely. You know, this is really important stuff, and yet they don't get acknowledged. We'll be back in a moment on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, and we'll have an interview and a live performance from Robin Hitchcock, Scott McCoy, and future Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Peter Buck. Yes. Yeah. 
Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, the brewers of Next Coast IPA, 312 Urban Wheat Ale, and Bourbon County Stout. Pairing beer and music since 1988, they believe it's always best to listen critically and enjoy responsibly. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. My partner is Jim DeRogatis of the Chicago Sun-Times. And a few weeks back, we got a visit from Robin Hitchcock, who is on tour with uh, two members of REM, Scott McCoy and Peter Buck. If you don't know who Robin Hitchcock is, I, I kind of feel sorry for you. But uh, he's one of our favorite artists, Greg, I think it's safe to say. Uh, started out in the 70s with the Soft Boys in the punk era, doing something very different, psychedelic pop. In the 80s, the college rock era with the Egyptians, for years now, as a solo troubadour, our generations cross between Bob Dylan and Sid Barrett. <laughs> I don't recognize these other two guys with your Robin uh, McCoy and Buck or something like that. I... They, are they pricey? No, my, basically, for me, as long as I get my own room, I'm okay. I'm way too old to share a room, so when they start talking about sharing rooms, that's when I pack the bag and go home. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll quit no. joking around here. It's uh, Scott McCoy, Peter Buck of REM, and uh, Robin Hitchcock. Welcome to uh, Sound Opinions. Glad Thanks, you Thank you. It's true. Peter, you've never been here, and Scott's never been here, but Robin, I think this is the third or fourth time we've had you on Sound Opinions. Uh, yeah, although not at uh, public radio. I'll exactly. As you previously. said when, when we just said hello a minute ago, I've... Oh, Jim, I've known you for centuries. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah. We were trying to figure out... I've given up counting. Robin Hitchcock and the Venus 3, Ole Tarantula, is the what great, great album of your career? Have you, uh, can, do you, can you even count? No, I have no idea. I mean, I imagine it's in the 20s or 30s by now. Yeah, it has well. to be. <laughs> what a great... Once again, you've surprised us. Kind of taken a, a turn here and returned to a sound. I've seen a few interviews you've done where you've talked about it. It says, you know, a sound that was always associated with you early on with the soft boys and, and, mm. and for a large part the Egyptians, the chiming guitars. Well, and the harmonies. And mm-hmm. the harmony vocals. Uh, I mean, because Peter... Bill, Scott, and I have known each other in different combinations going back over 20 years. Uh, Peter, Bill, and Scott are half of REM and three-quarters of the Minus Five, Mm -hmm. and they're now also the Venus Three when they're attached to Robin (laughs) Hitchcock. And Peter and I have been playing together since 85. I wanted to get to that. How did you guys first meet? Do you remember? You know what? I do remember. I did an interview, and I just mentioned... Something about the soft boys and Robin was kind of retired at the time. The guy goes, "I know, I know, Robin. I'll mention that you said hello or something, and you called me up." And kind of, we had kind of similar tastes. You know, it was 1984 or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was against the law to like say the band, you know, or mm-hmm. the birds because yes. it, you either yeah. had to be new romantic or punk rock <laughs> or whatever. Right. So it was still just totally old fashioned to like guitar rock music, and we kind of bonded over that. Right. Well, well, Peter, too, the, you uh, working in the record store, having a Soft Boys record and knowing what it was and appreciating it, that was kind of your first introduction to Robin was, was sure. through that music, right? And one of the, it was one of those funny coincidences. Uh, the B-52s were on this label in Atlanta for one single, and then Pylon and the Method Actors were on this label, DB. DB signed a deal with Armageddon Records, which had Robin in Europe. 
and they kind of did a minor league baseball player trade where the method actors got their record out in England and Robin's record came out on a basically local record label that was run by a friend of mine. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like all of a sudden this, these records were always around and I could hear them all the time and it, you know. Scott, where did you figure into this? It was at Irving Plaza, actually. I saw Robin and the Egyptians. But um, very soon after, my band, The Young Fresh Fellows, opened for Robin and the Egyptians a couple shows in Berkeley and San Francisco. But I was already a huge fan. I was a Soft Boys fan from working in a record store, you know, the same yeah. s- same thing, you know. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the way it works. <laughs> a bunch of music geeks in the same – you guys yeah. belong together. You're all, <laughs> yeah. like, record collectors yeah. and fans yeah. first, first and foremost, it well, seems like. Robin doesn't – Buy records, amazingly enough. <laughs> no, and nor do I listen to music, but I did. <laughs> and yeah. I mean that, but that would apply to you know Robbie Robertson or Bob Dylan or Keith Richard or somebody in their day that they got involved by being involved in the world of records and the world of records that were slightly difficult to find in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. didn't didn't Jagger and Richard meet because they one of them was on a train with some rare Jimmy Reed albums or I think, yeah, I think singles it was chess or something? Stuff, yeah. You know, that's the last time Mick and Keith spoke to each other, probably. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, now they it, have people. It, that it, it's now they, they, they know. Next time they met, like, they had their people. Bingo. So we were all people who were magnetized by music, and so we became musicians in adult life. Mm-hmm. Robin and Peter have got guitars. Scott is poised at the piano. You guys want to play some music? Yeah. All right. Let's try. You, have you got a vocal mic? Yes. Are you up to doing Ole Tarantula with the piano? Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's try this. Okay. Out in the trees, old tarantula's got me humming mm. out in the desert the cacti hold tarantulas cluster in their underground dome ole
a spiky black fist If she don't kiss you, you'll never be kissed Olé Title track of Robin Hitchcock's new album, Ole Tarantula. Robin Hitchcock's new album with the Venus 3, of which we have two-thirds here. <laughs> <laughs> Scott McCoy and Peter Buck. Why Ole Tarantula, Robin? I mean, I know, you, know. you mean why the song? Why is the album named after it? Why? why does... What is the concept there? I mean, you always have a good story about what you're writing about. What is that tune about? It's about where babies come from. It's about how people feel about the process of being alive, of being animals. You know, the British are notorious, it's a cliche really, for a sort of fear of sex. It's about that particular window, looking through two opposite windows of yourself. One of them is extremely happy to be an animal and the other one isn't. And... (laughs) Like, do you know Don Martin, the cartoonist in Mad? You ever oh, yeah. see those things? Yeah. The guy who'd go Fadween and Thud-a-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
but with tarantulas markings. So I was trying okay. to blend the spider and the hand. So you're saying this all has something to do with Peter Lorre, huh? <laughs> it's a song about I Peter Lorre. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, in fear of sex, who's a, isn't who's an, another Hungarian? Definitely. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, what you were getting at earlier, Robin, uh, the conflictedness of being human, and uh, it seems to be that is coming through in your music, the joy of performing, the joy of, of being human, and at the same time, there's this kind of undertow going on that all is not well with the world, and there, there's there's a lot of stuff out there that's really undesirable. And it seems to me like you're trying to meld those kind of things in, in the music that you've been making lately. Well, as you say, that's the case. I mean, you, I'm I'm the last person you need to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> if, you, if you don't notice that till you pop one of my records on, yeah, then yeah. you're in a special place. He's just looking for confirmation um, of his rock critic yeah. theories. <laughs> That's, you know, probably one of the functions of art is to figure out, not exactly to figure out why you should keep living, but art has a sort of, it's like, a, it's like an air freshener or a, a, an air purifier or a recycler. It, it turns sometimes horrific experiences into, or feelings, into objects of beauty. So you're crystallizing these fragments of something that's quite sordid that you might be feeding on, you know, your everyday disgusting life and thoughts, Mm -hmm. or somebody else's disgusting life that you're having to feed on, most likely. I mean, you know, it's a world of voyeurs, isn't it? Oh, that's (laughs) revolting. Let's take a closer look. You know, the rubberneckers. uh, When you talk about a song like New York Doll on your record, it reminds me of that because there's a sort of a tragic story there. Arthur Killer Kane died, you know, suddenly a couple of years ago. And at the same time, there's sort of a affirmation in that song, sort of a... Well, you have to say, <laughs> it that does come from, I wrote that after seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen the movie? Yeah. I don't know, how would you, how would you describe it in a few sentences? Well, it's, a, it's the story of the bass player in the New York Dolls, and after the New York Dolls broke up in the 70s, he basically a bottomed miserable out, life, bottomed yeah. out and yeah. uh, was uh, two inches away from being a street person, basically, and the New York Dolls reunite. He has this one moment where it all, his life comes back to him again. And then, what is it, two weeks later? Yeah, yeah he dies. He dies. And yeah. in between, there's some Mormon stuff. <laughs> well, he falls through a window and finds Jesus, yeah. doesn't he? And then he spends the, you know, a long period of his life as a librarian in, in L.A., you know, it wasn't. It wasn't like he was a remarkably talented guy. It wasn't like the Sid Barrett story. You mm-hmm. know, sort of. Mm. You know, Icarus flies too high and winds up in the dumpster or whatever. It was more that Arthur Killer Kane did a lot of damage to himself. And that's what's so moving about the film is that there's just this feeling of this life that was there, not an incredible, unusual life. Mm-hmm. You know, not a life that you'd go, "Wow, look at that guy!" Just someone who's had some good luck and some bad luck. And you, you really find yourself feeling for him. And then you suddenly find he's gone. And that's what really got me to write the song, was the idea that you only realise how important somebody is after they're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. I was a New York doll.
you brought up Sid, Sid Barrett earlier, uh, Robin, and I feel like it's almost like the 800-pound gorilla sitting in the room. We have to address Sid, and uh, obviously he passed over the summer. He was a big influence on you. Obviously, you've talked about him many times. Um, anything surprise you about the way you may have reacted to the news of his death? Did it surprise you? Did it make you sad? I mean, how did you feel about it when, it, when, when you heard the news that Sid had passed? Well, I think he passed in 1970, but his, his physical body disappeared this summer. So there was a, just a sort of tumult of, uh, you know, just you saying about Peter being a rock critic, you know, me being a, a, a talking head on the, mm-hmm. on the Barrett topic. I mean, first I would say just if you haven't ever heard the records, hear the records. I think they're brilliant. To me, Barrett is up there with the Beatles and Dylan. But, you know, for whatever reasons, he, he ceased to exist effectively about 35 years ago. He wouldn't even answer to the name Sid. He was Roger. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a definitely a, a keystone of my career. What, what Woody Guthrie was to Bob Dylan, uh, Barrett was to me. And, and um, the fact that he then suddenly, you know, the most dramatic, the most emphatic thing he did in 35 years was die. I couldn't, couldn't no. believe he'd actually done it. What? Barrett's going <laughs> to die? That's, that's such a commitment, you know. Well, yeah. well, well if you had to point somebody uh, to, to him, what piece of music would you direct people to if they... If, to well, understand Sid Barrett. I really like the solo records, actually, slightly more than the, the one he did with Pink Floyd. Let's try this one, actually, because it's only three chords. Well, we haven't played this, but it's dominoes. Yeah, it's just... Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's A7, D minor, and... No, it's A7, G, and D minor. Okay. Hang on, I'll just, take a, just run it around a few times, and then right. it, it just... It's pretty consistent. It's an idea Someday In my tears My dreams Don't you want To see a proof Life that comes Of no harm You and I You and I and dominoes Day goes by Wasting time on dominoes A day so dark, so warm Life that comes of no harm You and I, you and I and dominoes Time goes by Fireworks and heat someday Gold a shell a stick or play Overheard a lark today Oozing when my mind's astray Don't you want to know if a pretty hair Stretch out your hand Glad fields and an echo far away
my tears, my dreams Don't you want to see a proof Life that comes of no harm You and I, you and I and dominoes Time goes by Domino, Sid Barrett. <laughs> There's wow. a tribute. Yeah, it stands. It stands. It's an idea someday. You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We'll be back in a minute with more of our guests, Robin Hitchcock, Peter Buck, and Scott McCoy. Life that comes of no harm. You and I, you and I. Wasting time on dominoes A day so dark, so warm Life that comes with no harm You and I and dominoes Time goes by Fireworks and heat someday Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We are talking to Robin Hitchcock and two of the members of his band, The Venus Three, Peter Buck and Scott McCoy. Of course, we had to ask what Mr. Buck and McCoy are up to with R.E.M., um, you know, I've I've written a bunch of stuff, and the other guys have tapes of it, and they're listening to it. And I think that Mike and I are going to get together with Scott and Bill Rieflin in Seattle and knock out some stuff and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of all guitar stuff, kind of loud and fast. I'm trying to convince them that we don't need to spend a lifetime in the studio. I mean, that's been my problem with the process. But I think that it could be a really cool situation. So, mm. you know. Peter, I th- uh, turning around that song about the Iraq invasion was and, and doing yeah. it so quickly and but we final, played it final, on, straw, final, yeah. final straw. Final straw. We played it on the show two or three times, and I mean that was. It seemed like that's what you're talking about. You know, like how well, quickly did you knock that out and just well, suddenly really, it was we, there? I, it's funny because that piece of music from Final Straw, I actually wrote it and demoed it at the very end of Automatic for the People, and I, but I was using it as a a warm up thing for when I'm doing something that's difficult. It's really fast. So I go down and play for a couple minutes. He kind of said, "Gee, that's that's pretty good. What is it?" I said, "I don't know. It's this thing I've had around." He said, "Why don't you tape it?" So. And it was like the week before the bombs dropped, you know. And, yeah. and uh, for the next like twenty four hours, I heard it drifting down the stairs over and over. It stop, start, stop, start. And he sang it, and mm. he said, "Let's put it up on on the web right now." I can't believe where circumstances turn me, and I turn my head away. If I look, I'm not sure that I could face you. 
not today, not today. With the IRS DVD and Best of Collection coming out, Best of the IRS years, is there is there any, you know, Bill did some stuff, Bill Berry did some stuff recently, and there's a, a little bit of looking back going on there, at least among fans. People were reveling in yeah. seeing all those old videos again. Any thoughts of R.E.M. looking back at that stuff? Well, you know, it's it's all in our DNA. I mean, I'm sure that my children could pick up a guitar and play sitting still. You know, I mean, just, you know, it's been passed down. But um, I do, it's funny because Michael called me and he goes, yeah, you know, I, I've been listening to all the, the masters of the, the, the that IRS stuff. He goes, it's pretty good. I said, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It <laughs> yeah, was a good band. And, and, he, and he goes, yeah, you know, I like that kind of jangly stuff. We haven't done that recently. I said, no. <laughs> We really haven't, have we? And he goes, well, if you want to do some jangly stuff, that'd be cool. And I was like, you know, whatever. Right, anyway. he, he can go back to mumbling and, or murmuring instead yeah. of uh, singing. Well, and- you know, it's just, uh, you know, when you do it this for a long time, it's hard to think about the old stuff because it's, you know, you did it a long time ago, and that doesn't make it invalid, but, you know, you're a different person. But it's nice to go back and think about it and go, yeah, you know, we, we did okay. Yeah. But, you know, when I feel like that we captured what the song was about, then that's pretty much how you do it. And then time to move on. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes they'll carry on cooking after you've taken them out of the oven kind of thing. But mostly mm. they are actually <laughs> already set. Yeah. yeah the other thing is that perverse. old songs are what resonate. So I know if people come and see us, what they're going to like most is the stuff from 20, 25 years ago because they've known it the longest. I don't know. I'm That's like all. an old tarantula just fine. <laughs> well, very can, nu- can you guys give us another one? We can certainly try. Uh, Rocket ship. Jeez, what with a piano? <laughs> Do you think you can play the piano on it? I'll give it a try. Unless I play the piano on it. Um, one, two, three, four. Attention, rocket ship. Inside a head parade. A message from the future. You crash upon a star. Attention, rocket ship, a message from the grave. You rock me like a pharaoh. I hear you in my voice. You crash upon a star. Adventure, rocket ship. Check it on a wave I wish I was the thief 
like a pharaoh, hermaphrodite in style. You crash upon a star. You crash upon a Have you ever have you ever played that on piano before? Uh, no, no, I, I haven't. That's awesome. Not nuts. Uh, well, we got to let you guys go and soundcheck, but thank you so much, Robin and uh, and Peter and Scott for coming in. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for being had. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like to hear. You are listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. And on Sound Opinions, everyone is a critic. Not only Jim DeRigatis and myself, but our listeners as well. We hold that concept dear. Jim and I have already weighed in on the best records of 2006, and boy, did we get letters. Did we get feedback? Did we get we emails? Do. We Phone calls. We're big boys. We can take it. Our lists are still up on the website, soundopinions.org. And uh, now it's uh, your turn. The listeners, we're going to hear from you, your favorite albums of 2006. Let's go to our first caller, Matt. Uh, Matt emailed us with a list of his favorite albums. You had a lot of good picks, Matt. A lot of old country, drive-by truckers, drams, this new band, Glossary. I especially like what you said about the rack and tours. You made the case. Recap that for us, will you? I, I said that I've, I've never, for whatever reason, just never really got into the White Stripes, but the rack on tours record really turned me on. And one of the strongest points for that album which also applies to the Glossary album and the Drive-By Truckers album, is Brevity. Each of those albums has 10 or 11 very good to great songs, no filler, 35, 40, 45 minutes tops. It's almost kind of silly to think about it this way, but it almost harkens back to the age of LPs when you couldn't really fit more than 45 minutes on an LP without some sound degradation or whatever. I've been having this fight with Greg for years. You know, yeah, I know there was technical limitations of an LP. You could only fit about 20, 25 minutes of music on each side. But I think that, you know, the human attention span is sort of of a certain length. There's a reason, (laughs) besides advertising concerns, that sitcoms are like half an hour. You know what (laughs) I mean? I mean, that's about what you take in at a good dose. And in the middle, you know, you got to take a little break, go out and have a smoke or get a beer, make some more popcorn, and you come back for another half hour. I'd much rather be left wanting more than have every last minute of a 74, 80-minute CD filled with stuff that I don't necessarily want to listen to. I'm with you. I, I agree with that. I like, I like your way of looking at things. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Let's
Let's welcome Jack to Sound Opinions. Uh, Jack, what are your thoughts on the best of 2006, man? What my favorites are, or what your opinions were. <laughs> oh, well, so you, you disagree with us? I disagreed with... Actually, I, I liked most of the things that you had on your best of 2006 list. I thought they were really good. I loved uh, Norris Barkley and the Lily Allen, and I heard the Lily Allen first time on your show. We're doing okay so far. I get the big butt is coming, though. Uh, the big butt for me was the Neil Young album. I just thought it was terrible. I thought it was one of the dullest records of the year. Well, do you not like Neil Young in I'm not, general? I, honestly, or? I'm not a big Neil Young fan. I kind of never really got what the big deal was with, with Neil Young. Then you you played the, the Neil Young record, and, and the one you picked was Let's Impeach the President, which I, I think of all of the songs on that album is probably the worst song on the entire album. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it, go, it starts out and it's da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, it's like three yeah. notes repeated for the entire whatever it is. Well, no, Neil Young is famous for being able to milk three notes for 15 minutes. You know, that's not really milking. It's watering it down, I think. I don't <laughs> oh, know. Oh, man. It just, it... It's so amazingly dull. Oh, but Jack, I think we've got to take you to see Neil Young live sometime. You know what? And I think that may, re- may change your opinion. Part of my antipathy towards Neil Young, actually, is because I've seen him live. Oh. I went to see a Dave Matthews show. Uh, once and Neil Young opened for for Dave Matthews. Oh, see, and the opening was... set was like was like <laughs> nine hours long or something. It was like the never ending set. But Dave Matthews plays oh for forty seven hours. They, they and... kept Dave Matthews off the stage. I thought he was doing you a favor. Yeah, but, really. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he, but his opening. I mean, he was the opening act, and seriously, it must have gone on for like two hours or something like that. As opposed to Leroy's violin solo. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's true. All right, well, we'll forgive you your Dave Matthews okay. laps and your Neil Young uh, okay. blind spot. Yeah. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for listening, Jack. Thanks for your opinions. All right. All right, let's talk to Carl. Hey, Carl, uh, you sent us a great email at uh, interact at soundopinions.org, really making the case here, gave us a top 40, went into depth about what you liked about these albums. Tell us about some of your favorite recordings of uh, 2006. All right, I'd say, hands down, I picked the Decemberist record for number one because just start to finish it's like it's just a great album and uh it's a real revolution for these guys kind of i'm with you i love that record too yep. greg greg even liked it i finally was, made him a december that was fan. my first uh december's record that i really really liked i agree with you that's good i'm glad to hear it no i liked what you wrote about your number two record carl girl talk do you have it there in front of you or yes i do <laughs> can you read it for us it says uh i wrote little blurbs for my top 40 and said and i said uh for See, girl- this, this is good. He, we're paid to do this yes. he's sitting at home writing blurbs advocating his top 40 favorite <laughs> this albums guy, of the year. i like this guy every everyone's a critic and carl you are in the embodiment of that ideal Thank so you, you winnowed down 40 records out of how many albums you figured you bought last year Maybe double that, maybe more, I don't know. Okay, this is dedication. So what did you say about Girl Talk? I said, uh, perfect for the no-attention-span generation. Also, it kicks <laughs> I love that record, too, uh, Night Ripper, yeah. Carl. And it's basically 250 samples wedged together really inventively oh, yeah. by this guy Greg Gillis, a DJ in in Pittsburgh. And obviously, you loved it for many of the same reasons I do. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, everything moves really, really quickly, but it's also like he 
gets to the point where it's like, oh, you wish you, he would let that ride for a little bit and you could listen to it more, but then he's like, no, no, we're going to something else right now. You also made the case at number four for a band that uh, that I, I I couldn't stand when I, I know. saw them. <laughs> yeah, my number four pick is Man is Man Man, uh, Six Demon Bag, and it's a band um, that is heavily influenced by Zappa and Beefheart. And I know you guys went to the Pitchfork Festival, saw them there, and then ragged on them and went <laughs> and said this is a bunch of hokiness and uh, crazy insanity. And it's like you critique them the same way that Jim you critique. Uh, Tom Waits for saying, oh, I'm just weird for the sake of being weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. You contrived eccentricity. Okay, it, it may be a little uh, eccentric, definitely, but it, I think there's really good songwriting at the, at the heart of all their craziness. That's what I say about Tom Waits doing. Jim doesn't get that either. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All That's right, great, Carl. It's a good good diverse list. If one of us ever is out sick, maybe we can give you a buzz. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, awesome. I should say if Greg's ever out sick, I'll give you a buzz. <laughs> all right, Carl. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. Take care. You too. So the conversation that begins on this show often uh, translates over into the message board, and it is a lively one over there at soundopinions.org. We always welcome your feedback, and we're going to be including a lot more of it on the show. So uh, email us at interact at soundopinions.org, or better yet, leave us a voicemail that we could play on the show, 1-888-859-1800. Greg, what do we have next week? Next week, we've got a buried treasure show, Jim. Uh, a lot of people say, well, there's nothing new coming out in these doldrum months of January. And, you know, we say pshaw to all that. <laughs> there are great records coming out all the time, under-the-radar records, records that maybe don't spring into the public consciousness right away, but that we feel deserve more attention. One of our favorite kind of shows. We've got some thank yous to say on the way out, Greg. Sound Opinions is produced by our ace team of Todd Bachman, Matt Spiegel, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn. Mary Gaffney recorded Robin Hitchcock and the boys. We get some legal assistance from Dino Armiros. We're indebted to Jim Russell and the folks at American Public Media for bringing us nationwide. And thank you especially to Tori Southside Malatia, our executive producer, fearless leader, and the little heralded 17th member of REM. <laughs> 17th member of REM. <laughs> 